You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. You know Zach Johnson as a golfer, but he's also an entrepreneur in the business of professional golf. Zach is an Iowa native who has been a professional golfer since 1998 and boasts 12 victories on the PGA Tour, including that famous Masters Tournament win in 2007. I talked to Zach about how he approaches his golf career like a business, surrounding himself with the best business team possible, and how he raised money early on by selling investment shares in himself, Zach Johnson, Inc. Zach also shares his thoughts on investing more energy into existing sponsorships rather than accepting new ones, how professional golf is becoming more accessible for the younger generation, and he also shares his keys to a long career in an industry with high turnover. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Well, Zach, thanks a lot, man, for, for joining us. This is this is awesome. You know, certainly right here on the you know the eve of your uh, vice uh, captainship with the Ryder Cup, which is exciting, bringing it back to the the Midwest, and we're all excited to to watch that. That's always some some great sports drama there. But I want to talk a lot today about. I mean, every, everybody here in the corridor, the Iowa City, Cedar Rapids area, knows you, knows your story on the golf course. But I wanted to focus a lot of our conversation today because this is a business uh, corridor business journal podcast about golf and some and how that might relate to to business and and some of your professional stories and how you've navigated the waters of, of professional golf from a business perspective but we're going to drill down into a lot of that fun stuff but wanted to start with kind of a high level existential question i guess at the beginning you know golf is this beautiful game you know part of the allure is that there are so many parallels analogies to you know the life that are applicable you know in business and, and a variety of other places, you know, you talk about patience and risk management, uh, performance under pressure, you know, all those sort of things, you know, dealing with adversity and success, um, you know, the science of preparation, all those sort of things. As someone who's, you know, made a life and a living playing golf, uh, you know, what is the greatest gift that golf has given you that you've been able to apply uh, to life outside of the course? Oh, the greatest gifts. That's, that's a good question. I mean, man, there's been so many, I think, you know, once you're entrenched in any professional endeavor, you're going to learn a lot and you're going to continue to learn. And if, you, if you're not learning, then you may maybe you check, check yourself there. But, you know, for me personally, I, I would say there's a couple of different things. Um, certainly perspective comes to mind right off the bat. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, this and this vocation of mine is one where, you know, it, 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 you can look at it a number of different ways. Your motives can be, can alter and change. Um, but if you have the proper perspective, I think uh, each and every day, certainly each and every week, every time I compete on and off the golf course, frankly, I think, I think it's, it's, it allows you to find, you know, your purpose. And what I mean, when I say perspective, what I'm saying is it's your job. You know, I mean, I, I understand that there's an entertainment value involved. I understand that, 
it's um, pretty cool to some people because it's probably not the normal, you know, it's not the normal nine to five. Yeah, it's definitely not the regular nine to five. That's <laughs> that's an understatement. But I, I think I think if you can kind of treat it as your job, you know, I mean, I, yeah, almost treat it as a nine to five to some degree. Um, I, I think I think that's proper as well. Um, sometimes I'm jealous of those nine to fives, just especially from a travel standpoint. But uh, if you treat it the way it's 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 meant to be, I think you know you can be healthier. It can be much more efficient. Um, yep. And what I mean by that is like when I when I before I go practice, before I go compete, whatever it may be, on week, off week, I know what I'm going to do. I mean, there's 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 definitely a plan, right? Um, and then when I leave, I leave. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying I'm perfect at that, but yeah. that's my soul. You know, that's my intent. Uh, I mean, I, I have other priorities. I want to look through the lens of where, where my priorities lie, and then golf falls in there somewhere, right? And and I think that's the biggest thing that this profession's probably taught me is is if I have the proper perspective, my priorities can stay in line. They may shift and alter depending on the season, depending season of life, depending upon what I'm doing and what's next around the corner. But it, it just allows me to approach all of those priorities a hundred percent given uh, when I put the time in. Yeah. I think when you're talking about perspective and I, you know, I've, through this too as a professional athlete is just not is sort of decoupling who you are with you know your full identity as that as that athlete right like there's more more to that Johnson just being a golfer but you know society and everybody else wants to put that one label on you so being able to have that perspective that hey this you know this 18 holes of golf today is just that it's 18 holes of golf and you're going to move on and uh, and go from there and have that kind of bigger view because you, you've seen all sides of it you've won 12 you know PGA Tour victories and but of course, you know, you've missed a few cuts along the way too. And, you know, some shots that weren't great. That's just part of the nature of the beast, right? 1000%. I mean, you, you got to be a realist and understand that there's going to be times uh, when, man, you're riding high. I mean, the work is kind of comes easy at times. Just putting the golf club in my hands, the proverbial, man, it just feels good today um, for a stretch. But then, you know, it's in the moment you feel like you've really got it, or the moment it, you know it becomes almost too easy is yeah. the moment you, know, you, you it, it can it can kind of break you down, and um, you know you can fall apart. But you know that's why you have your systems in place. That's why you have all the um, you know, frankly, all the work I put in and the people I surround myself. That's that's why they're there. So, yeah. but you're right. I mean, it, it's professional sports requires short-term memory. Um, and staying positive, you know? Yeah. Has that, would you characterize your gift or being able to have good perspective and humility through the ups and downs? Is that something that you had early on as a golfer or is that something you've purposely worked at or? Yeah, I, I think it's probably a combination of both. Um, I, I continually work on it. I mean, I'm human. So, you know, I, I feel like um, I can get caught in, in that. I don't know. I, you know, I, I felt I got it all figured out. You know, I mean, it's going to happen. And um, I put I put great time into it. I've worked hard at my my work and my proof is in the dirt, so to speak. Um, so it's going to it's going to happen. But that's not necessarily the case. You know, I, um, I, I've always felt like understanding that this game, because it is a game, 
the more you focus, the more I direct my mentality to the outcomes, whether it's my scorecard or even specifically a hole or a shot. Yeah. The outcomes of those, those sort of aspects is the moment that I, I, I'm, I'm not in the right frame. Um, that's, that's not, that's, you know, it, it's, it's the, I hate using it, but it's the truth. It's, it's the focus on the process, right? It's the focus yep. on get better so that next time around you're better off. I mean, the way, the way me and my coaches kind of approach each week is, you know what, regardless of this, the, the, the magnitude of that week, it could be a major championship, could be a benign PGA tour. Um, I'm preparing this week for next week. And, and what that allows me to do is really just hone in on that process of trying mm-hmm. to get better, really focusing on the things I can control so that the next time around, whatever the situation may be, I can rely on those things rather than the outcome, rather than a bounce here or a ricochet there. I, I am focused on, you know, all the little, little things, the fundamentals of the things, um, both in my routine and pre-shot and all that, but also the technique that I can't control. So uh, if I can prepare each week for the next week, I just feel like that keeps me grounded. It keeps me in the now. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't have to worry about that outcome, like I mentioned. Yeah, that, that really focus on that process-oriented thinking rather than the result-oriented thinking. That's a, that's a skill that's, that's, that's honed over time in sports and, and in business and elsewhere. I mean, there's been a lot of great startup business stories in the corridor, you know, over the, you know, the last few decades. Maybe perhaps none, none better or more successful than your own startup story. You know, I, I, a, lot of, a lot of talk about, you know, your dad and raising money from – some other fellow members at uh, at Elmcrest Country Club there in Cedar Rapids to get started. Do you mind sharing a bit about that story? You know, when you're coming out of Drake and trying to get through the the mini tours and just getting your your start playing professional golf. About you know how how you can how uh, you know the funding that was behind what happened and that and just that whole story with with how that came to be. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right in the head there. I mean, I you know I'm I'm not the I was the individual that shouldn't make it, and so you know. Um, that's always been a motivation of mine still is, you know, I feel like I'm still not supposed to flourish. So um, I've, I've always had the dream of being in sports. I always had a dream of frankly being a professional athlete, clearly the mainstream sports, if you will, uh, I guess golf is kind of become mainstream, but you know what I'm talking about football, basketball, baseball, yeah. those sports, although I thoroughly enjoyed them as a kid and still enjoy being a fan, those sports passed me by. So, Golf kind of picked me, um, obviously played at Drake University and got better. Kind of decided, you know what, hey, I know I can always go back to school. I know I can, you know, um, you know, get my master's in this, that, or the other. I can, uh, you know, pursue maybe other avenues in the golf industry. But I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm getting better at this. I'm seeing some, frankly, some decent results. Um, don't want to have regrets as far as my trajectory in, in, in this game. So let's see, let's, let's, let's pursue it. Let's, you know, I mean, let's give it two or three years. I'm, I guess I probably made a decision when I was 21 to pursue it. Um, what year is this year? I know your first year on tour is 98. What year, what year were you like, okay, I, I'm going to, I'm going to make a run at this thing. When was that? Pretty much the latter part of 97. I graduated May of 98, uh, turned pro that summer. And you know, all that means is, you pay an entry fee and if you accept money, you're now a professional. So, yeah. um, 
how you lose your amateur status, more or less. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I you mentioned it. I, I spoke with a number of individuals that I trust and frankly still trust to this day um, about this pursuit. Uh, clearly, my parents, you know, a little reluctant, you know, at the beginning, but yeah, um, standing, you know, that that this is what you've always kind of wanted to do, um, you know, and let's just see what you can do. So, with that, you know, um, you know, I'm not I'm not growing up in Central Florida or you know Dallas, Texas, or somewhere out west where golf very very prevalent. Uh, you know, I went. I went to the only place that I frankly knew how knew, knew to go, and that would be, um, you know, some of my parents' friends. But basically, the club that started it for me, and, and Larry Gladson, the head pro there, and, um, we put together a, a nice little contract where, you know, you buy shares stock in Zach Johnson Golf, if you will. And, <laughs> I like it. Uh, you know, I didn't. I mean, I didn't have money, and and so basically, what what those monies did. Which How much was it? What was the what was the initial raise? The capital raise? Well, it varied year to year. Um, I mean, I'd have certain individuals, families buy one share at five hundred dollars, which is great. I mean, shoot, that <laughs> I can make five hundred dollars go a long way. <laughs> Your burn rate you know? was real low then. You had a low burn rate. Yeah, my overhead was. You know, I was paying for the necessities of life. You know, travel, food, lodging. Um, you know, oil changes. Right. I mean. Yeah. I was a trunk slammer, you know, and that's, that's really what I was. I play golf and I throw my clubs in the trunk and walk to the next thing. So how much was uh, that raise? How much did you raise right out of the gate total? The first year, I think I, th I did it for probably four years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm -hmm. And I believe it was anywhere from about $15,000 to $25,000, depending upon the year. You know, I had certain individuals that would buy 10 shares. And what was the it, R, what was the ROI for them? Was it, you know, once you pay them back in some interest and then they're kind of, they're made whole and then the contract becomes null or what was the, how, how was the structure of the deal? Great question. Great question. Um, my contract skills were not very, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I went, I went to a buddy who was a great family friend and he's actually an attorney to see if you wanted to be a part of it, you know, and, and, you know, potentially buy a, buy a couple of shares or whatever, you know? And, um, he, he looked at me and said, you know, uh, I believe in you. I'm, I know I want to see you push this, you know, to chase this game and see how far you can go. Yeah. How I just become your attorney and I draw up a formal contract. I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Um, so, <laughs> It, it with the help of him and another individual, one share, I think it turned it, you could get about three to 400%. I can't remember of the initial investment. Um, with the exception of one year, I, I paid them back in full. And then obviously I was able to retain the remainder, but you know, I, I I'm pretty certain that one share could turn into like 2000, maybe $2,500. I can't remember. Yeah. It was capped. There's like a max, a max return. And then, yeah, that's great. Beauty of it, Nate, and this isn't going to surprise you because it's where you're from, that state right there. Um, they just wanted to see a kid pursue their dream. That $500 share, I think it, I think it goes in any any industry, any profession, any avenue you're going down in the in the business world. It provided freedom. I mean, it it allowed me to focus on what was really important, and I'll never forget it ever. I mean, a kid that probably shouldn't, I mean, I shouldn't say probably shouldn't make it, 
um, was able to go out and stretch himself, you know, push himself and uh, work. And that's all I wanted to do was work. And once I was able to devote all my time to golf, you know, the, the progression was obviously a little you know, steadier. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome story in the region, just the, the community and the folks rallying around you. And of course, you've gone on and over 47 million of on-course career earnings, and I'm assuming a dollar or two off the, off the, off the course as well, um, which we'll get into a little bit of that here coming up. But it's, a, it's an awesome startup story, and uh, hats off to those folks for helping you, you get going. But, you know, fast forward through a bunch of other, you know, 12 PGA Tour victories, you know, two major championships, all that stuff. But, of course, you know, we all know watching you on TV that, you know, there's the Aegon Transamerica logo, which has been front and center for most of your career. Can you share a little bit about how that relationship got started, you know, or, or even just a little bit about endorsement deals in general and how you've approached those? Sure. No, I, I, I'm actually appreciative that you brought it up. Um, I'm going to say that my business team, my business family, if you will, off the golf course, well, I guess it's on the golf course too, going back to it. These are the individuals, companies, organizations, frankly, that they give me freedom to go play and compete. And run through that quick. Cause I think you bring up a good point. I and mean, a lot of people don't appreciate that, but you know, who is in Zach Johnson Inc. Let's call it like, who's in your cabinet? Who is your business team? Well, who does that consist sure. of? Yeah. Well, um, let's see the longest tenured, uh, companies now would be certainly Aegon Transamerica is way up there. I think that that was put together just before I got my tour, tour card. Um, Titleist, Joy, uh, who puts, who puts those together? You have, you have an agent, a longtime agent. By business team, I yeah. meant like who's, who's around you and your group that's helping you, even agents, lawyers, caddies, coaches, all that sort of stuff. Who who are those people? What are, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, I've got a phenomenal team. I mean, if there's anything I can stress in this podcast, I mean, there's a lot. But, I mean, I, I, I could go on and on about this. This could be another podcast. It's just surrounding yourself around great people, like-minded people, people that that are in your best interest, clearly. Um whether it's a protection, uh, whether it's um, challenging and pushing you and making you uncomfortable, whatever it may be, those individuals are imperative. And obviously my coaches are a big part of that. And that, that's a long list. One of which you've, you've gotten to know, at least over, you know, when you were certainly, certainly competing, and that's Dr. Mo. Um, but yeah, my agent is Brad Buffoni. He's with Wasserman, um, which is a big management firm now in sports and entertainment and whatnot. Um, he's been the only agent I've had uh, in my entire professional career. Really? And, um, yeah, how did you get started with him? How did you, how did yeah. you guys get connected? He, he's a Midwest guy. He's from the north side of Milwaukee, like Mequon area, and uh, was, was in kind of football for a while. He and his group at one point managed Reggie White. <laughs> right. The legendary Reggie White. Um, Reverend, I think he was a Reverend. He's a pastor of some sort. Yeah. Uh, you know, Philadelphia Eagle, Green Bay Packer, etc. Uh, and then he kind of transitioned in golf, um, not too, you know, shortly after that. And um, anyway, I was playing uh, the mini tours. Gosh, this would have been, I can't even remember, 2001 maybe. Um, and uh, he came out and watched me play in a Hooters tour event. And at that point, I was playing you know, from a mini tour standpoint, extremely well. I mean, I was in contention a lot, winning a few here and there, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, basically just took a risk on a kid that, you know, hadn't really done anything at, at the highest of levels, certainly, but 
yeah. uh, saw, saw something that was gritty, saw something that wanted to do it. And so um, he made a nice pitch to me and my, I guess it would be fiance at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that was it. So we've been together since. I mean, he's, he is now my confidant in the business world. No question. Yep. He is the one that is cultivated, pursued and cultivated my business relationships to the nth degree. And, um, you know, a man that I respect. So, uh, going back to it, Brad, when I got my tour card, officially got my tour card, he sent out some letters to Iowa companies. And as you well know, there's actually, for the state of our size, there's some pretty high clout, uh, very respected corporations that have hubs and or based in the state. And um, now that I'm removed from that state, I, I see it even more, you know, it's yeah, kind you of appreciate it more. Yep. Oh my gosh. And, and just how they go about their work, the values that they certainly are, are instilled in, in the fabric of their, of their, of their company is just, you know, it's Iowa. That's the way it, it, it's just the way it is. So um, an individual by the name of Pat Baird uh, was the CEO of Transamerica slash Aegon USA. It was actually Aegon USA at the time, but now Transamerica. And um, we had a night, he had some, you know, preliminary meetings and we sat down at Elmcrest. He, he was a member there. He's from Vinton Shell, you know, Vinton area. And uh, went to the University of Iowa, et cetera, et cetera, and loves the game of golf. And we both went into that relationship. Uh, well, when I say both, I mean Zach and my team, Pat and his team, with a pretty open-minded <laughs> approach because they'd never done anything like it. Frankly, I'd never done anything like it. And, and, off we went. And from there, it's just kind of grown organically. It's just, it's unique. I'm telling you, like if I, if I compare it to my peers, which is probably not fair, it's very unique. Um, I was going to say, I mean, how often, I mean, geez, you know, your card and whatever it was, 98, 99, here we are in 2021 for a guy of your caliber to have the same kind of title endorsement. I mean, it, I don't know if there's even another example of that, right? That kind of loyalty on both sides is, is rare. Correct. I, I think you're right. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons behind that. I think, I think the number one reason is because of how that company um, just operates. I mean, they're, they're, they're in the business. Obviously they've got their, uh, you know, their main core business of insurance um, and that kind of thing, but they, they just want to be around cool people. They want to be around individuals that are like-minded. They want to, um, pursue their business through relationships rather than the bottom line. And so um, that's, that's where I, I feel very fortunate. And again, yeah, another reason is there's not many professional golfers that can wear a Transamerica, excuse me, professional athletes from the state of Iowa that can wear a Transamerica hat, put it on their chest, uh, what have you um, from the, from the state of Iowa. It, it's just, it, it's just, doesn't happen very often. Um, and, and that's just because golf is not, you yeah. know, it, it, we're not, we're not Southern Texas, South Florida, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I, I'm fortunate in, this, in a sense that, you know, these relationships started and have been maintained throughout my, my career, but I'm more fortunate in the sense that it's like these individuals back there are still allowing me at a 45 year old man to chase the screen. That, yeah. That's a unique hmm. Uh, I, I would just say uh, aspect of, of these relationships. So um, 
Transamerica was basically the first one. Um, you know, like I said, Titleist, uh, Quichoy is it obviously <laughs> from the very beginning. Some of those things are necessities. I need balls, I need gloves, yeah, et cetera. Um, and then from there, we uh, we've had you know we've had some we've had some companies that I used to uh, represent that have you know changed direction, wanted to pursue something else or just get out of this get out of the game of golf. That, yeah. that happened. Um, but the ones that I've that I've been able to really be with for the long haul would be the two I mentioned. Certainly RSM. Um, they're on my chest as well, and uh, have become another family of mine that is extremely unique. Uh, I mean, if you really get down to it, the company started, how about this, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Yeah. Um, now it's this massive, massive global company, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to uh, accounting and tax. And so really bizarre. It was McGladdery and Holm back in the day. I forget the year. And this changed names over time, but that's where it started. And eventually, when I first signed on, on the, my chest said RSM McGladdery, then it went to McGladdery, and now it's just RSM. So uh, great people, great individuals. Um, they, they, again, they, they just, they want to utilize the game of golf, the leverage that it provides to showcase their brand, to showcase their, their business work and, um, and, and cultivate relationships that way. So I'm very honored to be with them. Uh, they've been amazing. And then obviously the last one would be, um, now we're going on almost six years, um, PXG, which is another cool tie. Uh, Bob Parsons um, yeah. had, a, had a big company in, in Cedar Rapids. When I was a kid, I always knew who Bob was. He was a member at Elmcrest and that sort of thing and um, sold that. And then obviously has gone on to do a lot of things in the business world um, that I think is extremely admirable. So um, very cool. I mean, for the most part, almost all, all the roads my- lead back. Yeah. To- here to I mean, Iowa, Iowa. That's cool. I'm telling you, it's weird. It's it's not weird. It, it's just it's just awesome. I mean, yeah. These endorsements checks start rolling in. I mean, you're you're winning some some T, PGA Tour events, holding up those big Happy Gilmore checks. Like, I know <laughs> observing it in the NFL, both personally and other people, you you're all, it's a game to you, right? Because you play it growing up and you've done it. But now all of a sudden, there's all these other dynamics in play about being a. And now you're not only an athlete, you're a professional athlete, and these other. Uh, you know, with, with the money and the fame and the endorsements, you know, those can certainly distract you from the work that needs to happen on the golf course. Was that something that came natural to you? I mean, I'm sure you leaned on your team and the people around you, but right. you know, talk a bit about that dynamic and, you know, did it have any sort of negative impact early on? Did you have to take some time to get used to it? This is, this is where I, I am very grateful and I almost, uh, I feel extremely blessed that I was able to surround myself around the right people at, at a very early stage. I mean, the the life of my peers on tour, the turnover of individuals, whether you're talking caddy, coaches, agents, um, wives, <laughs> the list goes, it's, it's, you know, and, and, and I, I What's unique, we kind of just talked about it. My business relationships that were really had some nice roots have dug even deeper and, and become even stronger. Um, that's probably not normal. And then I couple that with the individuals that have helped me do that from the very beginning. Yep. None of that's either. And, and I, I don't know if that's rare, but I know that's non-negotiable for me. Um, certainly it starts with my wife. Um, certainly 
my business team of Brad and his people, but then I'm also my coaches. So, uh, you know, when the success started to hit me, the opportunities just became more prevalent, probably a little bit bigger in scope. Um, and it was difficult. Yeah. Without question, it was difficult. I mean, I, at, at, prior to that, Nate, I was one that was like, oh, sure, I'll do it. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, I had no kids for the most part. You know, I mean. You can get overextended pretty quick. You can start eating into your time. No question. You can spread yourself thin. But it, it, it was easy. I mean, it was like, oh, there's an opportunity for a charity event here or a speaking engagement there or a business relationship here. You know, one day, shoot off, two day, wh- whatever it may be. I mean, yeah, you know. And then, you know, obviously, Augusta. 2007 is when things really started to change. I mean, at that point, I won one event on PGA. Yeah, prior to that, I won one event. So, um, you know, there was opportunities, but they weren't that substantial. And then that hit and an onslaught. Yeah, that's that's the Masters. And, I, and, and I'm very grateful, obviously, because that's what you want to do is better. Do you want to win the biggest and, and continue to, to pursue that? The hardest thing for me was learning how to stay now. And I've got actually actually got a lot of things in my phone that I can kind of go back to and reflect on. And when I, that, that sounds like a negative, it's actually a positive because learning to say no, even though probably 90 plus percent of these things are extremely worthy and frankly worthy of my time, um, provided freedom. And, and if, 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 they're, if, if the individuals behind those asks, those opportunities, grasp why I'm saying no, and we are very, very, very clear uh, as to why, then they'll, they'll come back around and the time may be right. Another time. But yeah, what was the, back to the masters and the ass, I mean, I'm sure I mean, there's bazillion things, your life gets changed in, in a, in the course of a minute, right? Like what was the, what was the easiest no? Like what was the craziest thing you got asked to do or endorse or be a part of any, any good, good stories there oh, on the deal for the masters win? Yeah. I mean, there, there was, I would say, I would say the ones that were difficult, but then when you really, 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 really got down to it, became very easy to understand why you have to say no, were the ones where, you know, it was, let's go play here overseas, then play here the next week overseas, and then here the next three, like a three-week stint overseas, we're going to pay you this amount of money, yada, 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 yada. And mm-hmm. a lot of guys pursue those that's not yes is not the wrong answer either i mean it's just the season of life i was in at that point i had a young one um starting the fam- starting our family and usually those happen kind of mid-fall late fall and into the end of the end of december yeah and at that point i mean i'm i'm 24 to 27 weeks in on the pga tour ideally with a cup ideally you know um playing all the majors. I mean, just, I'm exhausted. I mean, I, you know, I need to, I need to schedule my off time. And so it it was one of those where I don't really need to chase that dollar sign right now. I'm I'm very content with what I have in in the business sense. I'm very content with um, what's going on in my golf world. My priority needs to be home. My priority needs to be you know, everything off the golf course that allows me to go play on the golf course. So, uh, I need to go do another, I need to go do another Transamerica event that is the same week as Singapore, whatever. That's, that's my priority right now. And so 
those opportunities were great. That's just one example. Um, a lot of speaking engagements that just didn't just sure. weren't realistic at the time or, or, or a lot of things that just required, Hey, let's come play 18 holes or sit on a par three and hit shot. They're great opportunities. They're, they're fun and all. And, and I'm sure the people are tremendous, but just not right now. So there is an art to say a no, absolutely. Especially, you know, I could only imagine in your position, especially coming off the masters, how challenging that must've been. Give me a, just a guess of putting your business hat on for a second. Someone wins, Zach Johnson comes out, 2022 wins the Masters again. What's the, you know, you get, the, again, the big Happy Gilmore check. I don't know what the, you know, the winning is for winning the Masters. Sure. Million and a half, two million bucks. What's the lifetime value mm. off the course of winning a Masters championship, if you were to guess? You know, that, that's Today's hard, money. I mean, yeah, the spectrum's probably pretty, pretty uh, long and wide. I mean, it. it at that point, I think it comes down to, there's a number of factors here. It comes down to what you've already established. And I should have prefaced this all by saying with each major championship win I've had, and each, I would just say each win I've had on the PGA Tour, what we've done is, I mean, if I had space for another endorsement, another ambassadorship, if you will, that met and, and certainly meshed with the ideals that we have already instilled, sure, we'd give it some time and maybe it'll work out. But our priority, and I would say Wasserman and Brad's, what they've done the best is they've just grown and, like I said, dug our roots deeper with our existing company. So, yep. you know, each said company after a master's wins, like, I, I know what they, this company right here is paying you for your hat or your shirt or your bag. I can triple that. Well, right. yeah, you can triple that for the next two, two years. And then if I go into a slump or you're not seeing, you're not seeing, the the dividends on that investment yeah then what you know so what we've always done is kind of looked at the big picture looked at the long haul so to answer your question i don't know i remember sitting down here you go i remember sitting down with a, a great friend of mine a confidant of mine he was actually our tour chaplain at the time he's now on the champions tour um a great individual his name is larry moody and he's he sat me down i was at the players championship uh, which was after Augusta that year. And he's like, um, you know, uh, he's good friends with Larry Mines. He won, won like one Augusta. Yeah. Berlin Longers won it twice. And he goes, you know, usually you've got a pretty decent management. <laughs> you've got great representation. You know, you're probably going to see, I didn't, this was un, I mean, I, I, I did not ask, ask a question. He just unsolicited. Yeah. Probably 10 to 12 million in the next, you know, whatever, so many odd years. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> valuable four days. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and, and so I don't know if that's accurate. That was no seven. So yeah. 2022, Nate, um, you know, a lot of individuals, especially the ones that are winning a lot of golf tournaments, the ones that frankly probably are in contention in majors, you know, there's contingencies in their contracts. If you do this, then you get this. If you do this, then you get that. I mean, there, there's – there's levels and hierarchies and world rankings and all sorts of, uh, you know, I'd say barometers to measure your success. And it's not just major championships, but those, those seem to, those are the ones that really can take your business acumen, your business portfolio to another level. Yeah. I got a, just a few more. I know we're kind of getting slow on time or we, I, we can sit here, we can sit here for four hours and, and, and chat, but um, quick, just off the, you know, just, kind of a few quick fire questions, you know, how is the, 
business of golf changed since you got your start back in the mm-hmm. late 90s? That's the first part. Then the second part of the question is, if you were to fast forward to 2035, how do you think the, ga- the business of the game of golf will change in the next 10, 15 years? Looking ahead. Great questions. Um, okay, you, you'd be naive. Well, you'd be naive. That's not the right word. You'd be stupid if you did not fully acknowledge that, you know, I turned pro in 98. There was a certain individual that turned pro in 1996 slash seven. Yeah. No, the latter part of 96. You'd be foolish. You'd be a moron to not acknowledge that the opportunities as a professional golfer on the PGA Tour have some sort of direct route back to one individual. And that's Tiger Woods. Yep. It, it's just, it's, it's obvious. And when I say that, the best thing you can do to look at that is to go back in 1997, 98, 99, even I think it doesn't matter. Look at the, the purses. Okay. And, and great money. I mean, awesome money. I mean, you know, before Tiger Woods, the, the top PGA Tour players on the PGA Tour are making an unbelievable living. Okay. Then he comes along, your TV contracts, which is your number one sponsor on tour, right? It's CBS, NBC, et cetera. You just go through the roof. Okay. Well, yep. that roof just keeps getting pushed up and up and up. Just like Tiger raised the game, the roof went with him. And, um, you know, you're, you're riding, I mean, frankly, from, from a monetary standpoint and from a, from a, um, a golf standpoint, you're riding the coattails of this individual. I can't yeah. tell you what he is as far as what happens on the golf course. So it's 2021 to kind of pursue your your question there. We had a, a I'm on the pack, which really doesn't mean much, but I'm not on the board of the PGA Tour anymore. Um, but you're 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 privy to, to some of the numbers that are gonna that are around the horizon, yeah. right? And by 2000, well, next year, 2022. Yeah, 2022, the opportunity on the golf course is going to grow between 24 and 26% all in. That's versus your deferred compensation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's all driven by metrics around eyeballs and engagement and people watching the game. I mean, you'd be like here, you know, I'm sure it's the same at Elmcrest and Cedar Rapids Country Club. And I know memberships are way up. My buddy, Sean McCarty, manages Brown Deer, the municipal course. I mean, they set a record in 2020 for rounds played in like j- middle of June last year. I right. Mean, the, the, something, something's happened just in the course of the last couple of years. Who knows? A variety of factors. But the game of golf is you, you, you got to be buying stock in it now. I mean, it's it's going up. Right. There, there is a variety of factors. I, I guess if you can find a positive from this awful pandemic, it's people wanted to get outside and actually pursue something that was safe and, and golf went. I can say this unequivocally. I never have made tea time here in South Georgia till last spring during quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Never make one. And now I have to, you know, for the most part, I gotta, I gotta make one. And that's, that's a great problem. Um, yeah. for our, so yeah, it's all about eyeballs. It's all about viewership. It's all about that entertainment value. That's just next year. The, the next three to four years after that, kind of going into 2025, it just it keeps escalating. And, it you know, a lot of that's digital, the platforms of the PGA Tour um, and its constituents are kind of putting together now and, and, and meshing um, to coincide with CBS, coincide with NBC um, and the talent that we have there. So on the golf course, it's, it's fascinating where this game, I think, could go. Um, 
And how about like just a couple quick things, you know, uh, like sports betting. Is that you guys talk yeah. about that? Is that driving some of that interest? I mean, no question. No question. You said it. that that's I mean, I, I, I remember sitting on the board. I don't know what year it was. Oh, eight, oh, nine, oh, nine, ten on the PGA Tour board. And, you know, we kind of reluctantly started drug testing basically just for optics purposes because yeah. golfers, right? I mean, maybe beta blockers because you get, a, you know, at an older age, but why are we drug testing? Well, I never thought just being sitting there in those meetings that we'd ever get to gambling because we're pretty conservative in our approach. Now it's a bit, it's going to be a big part of it. And that, I think that's a great, if it brings more eyeballs into it, which could lead to more people pursuing the game too. Great. Yeah. I mean, that's a great, it, it's, it's become global, obviously, and we're seeing that more and more. Um, young kids playing it, pursuing it. We're seeing it uh, in just a number of different ways, and I think I think it's fascinating because um, it's not an easy game to play. It's not an easy game to pursue, but the, we're starting to find modalities to make it easier. Yep. Top golf, you know, that kind of thing. So there, there's there's a number of ways to get your hands mm -hmm. on a club. And you're seeing the, the younger generation start, start to put their stamp on it, right? I mean, 10, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have seen anybody driving around Elmcrest in a bad bird, you know, floral golf shirt with music blaring and their shirt untucked and flat bill hats. You know, I think I feel like golf has kind of leaned into the fun a little bit, you know, which is, which is only going to attract more in the audience uh, going forward. How about NFT? We going to have a Zach Johnson um, NFT floating around out there any, anytime soon and the digit, all the digital stuff and, it's a great question. Um, it hasn't, hasn't been one that we've approached quite yet. I'll just put it that way. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, it's I'm a not, wild west out there, too. It is, 100%. Um, man, that's a good question. I, 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 you stumped me. Yeah, what's the – couple just quick ones here before we get into our final kind of rapid-fire questions. What's the most sure. difficult thing about pro golf that the average fan does – or a pro golfer's kind of journey – or what's happening throughout the course of the week? What's what's the most difficult thing about it that a average fan doesn't appreciate? Well, I'll tell you. I, I think this is it's an easy answer for me. Um, when I when I first started pursuing the game, playing professionally, you know, you're you're traveling around, whether it's the mini tours or whether it's the PGA tour, and uh, you got no responsibility of trying to get better. Well, then I introduced kids, family, etc. Travel becomes, even though it's kind of cool, it's by far the most difficult part. Uh, you know, it, it's if, if golf isn't my number one priority, which I don't want my identity to be around the game of golf because that's just not who I am. I know it's what I do. If that's the case, then, you know, I feel like my presence needs to be at home um, when, when given the opportunity or when it's needed. I mean, we, as my wife, Kim and I talk about, we calendar all the time. I mean, that's, yep. we've just changed my fall schedule because of my kids' schedule and because of what's around the horizon. I mean, you know, exactly. Well, why is Zach playing this week? Well, Zach wants to play this week, but Zach can't. <laughs> or, <laughs> or why is he playing that week? You know, well, it fits because this is where my priorities are at home and yep. whatever it may be. I mean, I, I, there's, there's a number of arrows being shot and you just got to kind of deflect the ones you know you should. So, um, you know, that, that travel is by, by far the most difficult. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, last question, which is the most timely we got, like we mentioned at the top of the, the show here, you know, the Ryder Cup's coming back to the Midwest up, up in Wisconsin at 
Whistling Straight, Steve Stricker, a you know, native Wisconsin, I know a good friend of yours. You're a, a vice captain. What's your strategy as a mentor and coach for folks here in the Iowa City Cedar Rapids area? They're going to be tuning into the 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 event. What you know, what's what's Zach doing behind the scenes to um, you know help help the U.S. keep the cup here in the in the United States? Oh, uh, what's well, your role look like? What's a vice captain do? I, I put on I put on a hat <laughs> of servitude. So whatever captain wants is what I do. Now I say that that's not it's overly generic, but uh, my my role there is to um, be a sounding board for for captain to be uh, a sounding board for the players. I mean, um, I would think that my experience in that realm should have some sort of benefit or, or clout, if you will, for some of these other players. I mean, currently right now, I think, I have to think about it. We, we, we do have some Ryder Cup rookies. I mean, Colin Morikawa is the one that sticks out. I'm not sure we have, you know, we kind of look at it. You have Ryder Cup rookies and then you have rookies in general. I mean, the President's Cup, you know, obviously is along the same vein. So, um, you know, those individuals might, might need a little bit more talking, might need a little bit more, uh, you know, time just to, to explain to them that, you know, hey, this is what it's all about. Um, what, I, what I've what i learned, though, when it comes to that, and, and I think this is the keyest, the biggest biggest thing, right, what I tell some of these guys is, especially the young ones, the ones that have very little experience, is you, you, you've obviously made this team for a reason. Whether, whether you made it on points or you were picked, frankly, is irrelevant. Um, you do not need to alter your game yep. or, or try to be perfect just because now you're on this team. Okay. You, your, your game and what you have uh, and your quiver is more than good enough to go out there and win points for us and, and succeed. So keep it simple, you know, um, keep it simple, stupid. Right. I mean, it, it, it really is still just golf. I mean, the best piece of advice I've had in a Ryder cup or a cup, was my very first Ryder Cup on the very first day. Captain Lehman, Tom Lehman was my captain. He said, you're not playing in the morning. You're going to play in the afternoon, which was a foursomes, alternate shot. Rest up, go through your routine. Also good advice. Get ready to play. So my wife goes out to the first tee just to experience it because it's the first yeah. tee of the Ryder Cup. Pretty, pretty fascinating. And it was in Ireland. And um, she, I remember she came back to the room before I was getting ready. And she's like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot of people. <laughs> It's a little, a little rowdy out there. It's yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I mean, it's like a little mini stadium, right? And yep. wow, I mean, it's like really loud. I go, great, you know, that's awesome. Uh, but then she goes, you know what? The guys took their driver out and then they, they teed up a golf ball and they went through the routine and they hit it and they found it and they hit it again. And she's just like, it's, it's still just golf. Yep. And that is the way she articulated it. But that, that just really kind of took everything and just went like this. I'm like, oh, thank God. I mean, it, it really was like, it just simplified everything and just made it very clear that I'm going to go do what I do. And hopefully it works in my favor today because I've worked hard. You know, yeah. that's that's really it. I mean, I, you got to be yourself. You got to go out there and, and represent your country with class and humility. But go, just go compete because that's what you are. Yeah, that's awesome. That's one of the... Greatest events in sports, a lot of a lot of drama. You had tons of success, obviously, as a as a participant, uh, as a player in the event. We're all looking forward to seeing it come to the Midwest. But I mean, I think yeah. it will. And let's, yeah. you know, it, it, we've got a good plan plan in place. So let's let's good. 
Get that USA team, get that cut back. Yep, absolutely. Well, Zach, we ask all of our guests, you know, some of these rapid fire questions just to sort of sure. finish up. Um, this will be fun. How much of your success would you contribute to luck versus hard work? Oh. Golf, golf, this is probably even more pertinent than a CEO of a company or in their career. I mean, this. Right, right. I mean, I, you know, I've always been a believer of if you put a lot of hard work in, your luck actually looks a lot better. Um, and it is better. So uh, I, I'm not a believer in necessarily luck. You know, I'm, I mean, I understand you get a good bounce, but every time you get a good bounce, you can get a bad bounce. So 99.9% is hard work, man. Yeah, I like it. Given the chance, what profession other than golf would you have most liked to attempt? I really enjoyed the process of uh, we built a home, and I really enjoyed that. So, I mean, if I'm going to get down to it, I think pursuing the art, an art as an architect would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I didn't study anything of that nature in college, but uh, I've, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed that process. That was a long time ago, but I enjoyed that process. Um, and then one of my passions is uh, college football recruiting. So maybe a college football recruiting panel. <laughs> There you go. Get get Coach Ferentz in there. Get you in. The, get some. That's some right. That'd be fun. right. That's great. Uh, how about a business leader? Is there someone? Um, you know, I know you, you you've pulled a bunch of different areas to try to make you a better golfer. Have there been people you followed outside of the golf realm that you've looked up to that perhaps helped you be a better golfer or manage your golfing career? Right. Right. Um, there, there there's been certainly a few. I mean, I've been able, fortunately, to rub shoulders with a lot of really cool individuals. Um, you know, I, I certainly admire what Bob Parsons and his wife Renee do, uh, but in the business field, I mean, they, I think they, I mean, granted they're, <laughs> they've struck, uh, yeah, old, but they give a lot. I, I, I their model of giving, cause I've, I've been, I've been able to ask them questions on how and why and what I think it's pretty, it's pretty inspiring. So I throw him up there, but, uh, Dan Caffey, who's the, the Caffey family, the CEO of, Chick-fil-A, I admire uh, to the nth degree. Um, big, big fan of Chick-fil-A sauce. Um, Absolutely. There, there's uh, there's a guy by the name of Jimmy Dunn, D-U-N-N-E, and his name rings. If if you're in the golf world and have uh, been able to play in primes here or you know at Augusta or wherever, you, you probably would want either meet him too or hear about his name. Okay. And uh, Jimmy's company, um, I forget the name of it. That's terrible, but he's, he's, he's retired now, was uh, stationed um, in the Twin Towers uh, in New York. And huh. um, he was supposed to be at work that day, but he was actually trying to qualify, I think, for the U.S. Mid-Am or Senior Amateur. So he's a good player. Uh, his partner perished. I don't know what percent of the company perished, but it was – extremely high um it's very well documented what he did in that next so many odd years you know three to five years and how he went about doing it for the families specifically the kids of uh, uh you know whose parents perished yeah. um and and as a result he has um uh been the model for you know just how to navigate oh, the most tragic and awful circumstances in a very, I would say, uh, selfless way. Sure. That's great. Uh, a podcast or TV show, do you have a favorite or something that you're listening to right now? Big fan of documentaries. I mean, I, I you know, I 
pursue those, especially the ones that make me, uh, that challenge me and or, or make me uncomfortable. Oh, man. What's... Are you a Ken Burns guy, or are we talking more like Werner Herzog, or what? Well, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm Ken Burns. The, 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 I just watched it again. I watched it twice. Um, the guy who climbs Capitan. Oh, the, yeah, the uh, – what is that guy's uh, name? I forget his name. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing documentary, though. That's it's amazing. That, that's just one. I mean, I, 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 that's recent on my playlist. Um, that's great. I love I love podcasts. I mean, I that's I work out to this. And Nate, sorry, I'm a homer. They all deal with they all deal with uh, Iowa football, Iowa basketball, <laughs> and an occasional Drake University one. That's it. I mean, that I, I'm a sports junkie, and and I can say now that I don't live in the state. It's just so cool for me to be able to attach myself back there, and that's one of the avenues I'm able to do that. So, yeah. um, and the time we're talking right now, I mean, it's how many days are we? Nine days away. Yeah, um, football's so, in the air. It's fun. It's in the air. Yeah, exciting. Uh, you know, sports is this chock full of quotes, motivational quotes. Is there a favorite one that you have, or a mantra, or something that's been important to you through your career? Yeah, you know, I, I've been given a lot. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a Christian man, so you know there's a lot that I, uh, a lot of scripture that I certainly go to for a number of different reasons, um, both on the course and off the course. Uh, and I think that's a long list. I mean, I've got some, yeah. I would say, you know, personal scriptures, but if there's a quote that I like that kind of mirrors that, but yet is, I guess you'd say non-biblical, is what we do in life echoes in eternity. So, that's by William Wallace. And I love that. I'm obviously a big Braveheart fan. That was a good movie. Uh, but beside, that's beside the point. I mean, what we, I've always feel, felt like we're in a place now preparing ourselves for the next step. Sure. And what I do as, as, a, as a person, but also from the temporal to the eternal. And so um, I, I love it. It's a checkpoint for me. It's a perspective for me. It's a way to focus on what's really important and kind of take myself out of it. I love anything that strikes a chord to me that makes me feel this big. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, if you had 30 extra minutes in a day, what would you do with it? You know, uh, in talking to individuals that I really respect, um, individuals that have some sort of understanding or semblance to what I do, um, the common Common thing when I, because that's like, that's, you know, basically you kind of get around to that question. If you have more time, what would you do? And every single time it's, I would spend more quality time with my kids, specifically my family. So that would be part of it for sure. Um, I mean, I've also been, I'm also a believer that you can never pray enough. I mean, I know that sounds generic, but I'm, I believe in the power of prayer. So uh, I, I would, I would 15, 15 minutes of each. Awesome. That's great. Uh, how about a golf book? You know, for listeners out there that might be golf fanatics, if there's one, is there a favorite golf book that Zach Johnson would recommend? Yeah. I mean, it is my business, right? So, um, this is going to sound like a terrible plug, but it's awesome. I think, and now he's made it, uh, so that it, it certainly has, uh, parallels attributes in the, in any, any industry. And that is learn to win by Dr. Morris Dickens. Yeah. I read that book. It's great. I actually recommend that to a lot of kickers that I mentor. It's a, it's a great, great summation of, you know, your stories woven through there, but just the importance like we hit on earlier about having a process that's repeatable and 
you focus on right. that, it, it makes everything else kind of fade away. So it's, it's very applicable to business as well. Um, all right, last, last question here. Uh, one sentence, how would you define success? I had to prepare for this one. I mean, I've had, I've had that question thrown at me a number of times and, and, and in different ways. Um, so I kind of combined some life phrases, okay? Um, so I would say success. To me, it's almost like six, it's, it's what can you do right now that can be successful? What, what can you do right now that um, can be looked upon as a positive? So right now for me, it's living a life that demands an explanation with a grateful, humble, and selfless heart, constantly glorifying the Lord. And I think that summarizes what I try to do each and every day. I think it summarizes what I try to do each and every week on the course, off the course in my marriage, in the business world. Um, I just love how it, it, it's challenging. It, 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 frankly, it, it, um, it can kind of tear me apart and make me extremely uncomfortable. And I hate that. But then at the end, Oh my gosh, I, I know it's the right thing. And yeah. it, it, even though it, it pushes you and makes you uncomfortable, it, it, um, you find joy in it. And um, if, if joy can be an attribute of that, I think, I think that's a great thing. Yeah, that's outstanding. Well, Zach, thanks so much for, for taking the time. This went a little bit longer. Like I said, I think we could have done another two or three hours of it, but uh, we didn't even get a chance to get into the Zach Johnson Foundation and the awesome work that you're doing back in the Cedar Rapids area for all the kids. And, uh, you know, we all enjoy being a part of the celebration each year that goes on there. But, you know, on behalf of all of us here, we certainly appreciate you, you know, continuing to, you know, remember, remember where you came from and all the work that you do back here in Iowa. And I'm sure we'll be running into you this fall uh, back for a Hawkeye game at some point in time, but best of, best of luck in the Ryder cup and uh, hope to catch up soon. Thanks so much for taking the time. Nate, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. Yep. You bet. This episode was produced by Joe Coffee of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal. 